San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can listen to this show as it airs on any device. And we are free on iTunes, and also commercial-free podcasts are on iymoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a best-selling author, and also a family office expert advising several high-net-worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, Joe. Good to be back <laughs> in San Diego. I've been down in the desert, as yes, you know. Yes, yes. How was Desert, uh, desert Smash? Fun? That was great. The tournament was great. The weather was roasting hot. And then we hustled back here uh-huh. for Serv- Servant Leadership Institute. Uh-huh. Some great speakers. You know, Art Barter, recent guest, did a great job, as always. Charles Hazelwood was, I guess, the keynote speaker. Vicki Floyd Clark... Uh-huh. Vicky Floyd Clark, incredible. Also, Kristen Hadid. Uh-huh. Excellent. One of the largest uh, cleaning companies in Florida that she started when she was 19 and a college student at University of Florida. So we had some of the younger crowd speaking about servant leadership, and it was really quite incredible. Uh, my lovely wife, Mary, of course, went to the whole thing, and we scooted in one day before because we ran the San Diego Half Marathon on Sunday. Nice. The day before, just so we wouldn't be accused of sitting around all day doing nothing. Wonderful. <laughs> wow. And that was all down at the Marriott, down by the convention center. Marriott Marquis, right by the convention center. Oh, excellent. Lovely place. Good. Well attended, I take it, huh? They probably had 300 people in the room. They'll wow. be back out next year, so check out ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. Come to next year's national conference. It is a must-see. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Also, I wanted to thank uh, Ed Clancy we had on recently who helped arrange uh, some tickets for me to see my very first San Diego Gulls hockey game Saturday night, and we beat the Tucson Roadrunners 2-1, to one, but uh, two fights did break out. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie Slapshot, Richard? Yeah, Paul Newman. That was well, great. Well, throw that away and go to a Gulls game because I'm telling you, it was, it the, was the, old joke, like, the old joke, Joe, was I went to a boxing match and a hockey match yeah, broke out. In, yeah. in a, no, I went to a boxing match and a, and a hockey match broke out. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. That's no, it. No, I went to a boxing match. I went to a... Yeah, anyway, okay. yeah, I got no, it right. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it differently. Also, just Keep one, moving forward there, Joe. One, one, uh, one um, little aside, though, I saw a good documentary. Gene Cernan just passed in January, and I happened to discover that there was a great documentary about him called The Last Man on the Moon. Mm. And if you've never seen that, uh, look it up, folks. Uh, it's very, it's on Netflix, I believe, and various other places. Uh, <laughs> and he's got a lot of history in San Diego, too. He, he, you know, he learned to fly here in the Navy, right. which is relevant to our guest tonight when we get to him. But first, on the phone, uh, you know, the, uh, the lifeguards have been having a little spat with the fire department. And uh, on the phone, we have from the, the uh, head of the Lifeguard Association, Ed Harris, to explain what the heck is going on. Hi, Ed. How you doing and what's going on? Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly not with the firefighters. You know, we uh, are the professional rescues in the aquatic environment. And mm-hmm. we um, assist each other, both firefighters and police officers. They call us. We call them and whatever we can do with their calls. The problem was we got a new fire chief, and on December 15th, without consultation with the lifeguard supervisor group, he implemented changes to what has worked very well for the last 35 years, and the biggest change is how we do dispatch. Uh-huh. 911 calls. You were talking 911 calls, right? 
Yeah, 911 calls. When you dial 911, unless you're on the freeway, those calls go to San Diego PD. And the police quickly have to determine, is this a police call, a medical call, or in our case, a water-related call? Mm. For 35 years, that's been an easy decision for the police dispatchers because they say, hey, somebody's drowning, they transfer it to us, and we dispatch it in about 15 seconds. The chief created some confusion by now delineating that inland water calls for lakes, rivers, and whatnot will be sent to fire dispatch rather than lifeguard dispatch. So the, now the police dispatcher has to determine, well, is this in a lake or is this a bay or a river? What is it? Mm-hmm. And if it's- It then gets further delayed because a lot of these calls go to fire and they have to be entered into their computer system before it's ever given to lifeguard dispatch. So it's delaying us one to two minutes on every one of these calls. Mm-hmm. We had a call uh, of a two-year-old near drowning the other day and it's the second confusing call that has caused a, a, a really long delay for lifeguards. And so one to two minute delay in the aquatic environment when people are drowning is not acceptable. Mm. It, it really takes away from our ability. This call went to police. The call was transferred to fire. They dispatched firefighters and they sent a notification that never came to the lifeguard. So that that um, is a problem for us. Uh, fortunately, there was a second 911 call because people were very frantic trying to, um, to deal with the scene of this, this drowning uh, two-year-old. Where did that occur, Ed, by the way? Where- On Mission Bay, okay. which is about two minutes by boat for us from yeah. our dock. Gotcha. Um, so is that the model, model yacht uh, basin over by um, Paradise Point? Okay. And so... Lifeguards got a second call. That call was transferred from PD straight to lifeguards, and lifeguards immediately dispatched a boat. Our guards did what they do. They ran to the dock. They jumped in a boat. The guard jumped in the water and climbed up the rocks and was doing CPR on the child when fire arrived. Mm -hmm. It took us less than two minutes to get there, even though we were delayed by two minutes, and it took fire seven minutes. So we again are asking, we've, we've filed a grievance over this uh, formally um, from the lifeguard union, which is the Teamsters. Mm-hmm. And we are, um, we are adamant that this gets turned around because it is preventing us from getting to where we need to be. Well, it's a, it's a public safety hazard. Now, what, what is the fire's uh, rationale or, or reasoning for doing this? Well, that's a great point. I would encourage any of you to try and ask that question. Um, they cite that we don't have the technology. Well, it, well, it's been working for 35 years and certainly you can upgrade our technology. They also cite that by going through this huge bureaucratic uh, computer system that they can send the alert to, uh, to multiple units faster. And we're like, well, one lifeguard is all we need to ensure that somebody doesn't drown. And so until we get that person out of the water, there is no medical aid. There is nothing else. The chief complaint is drowning. Yeah, and we had all that bad rain. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I mean, you guys had to make a fire, a, a, a water rescue in Mission Vale at one of the hotels there, right? Uh, cause the, yeah, I believe we got 70 people out of that hotel. We did that same rescue in 2010. I think we rescued 60 people um, in that same that same area. Where, uh, where is it? The West End of Hotel Circle there? Uh, is that yeah, where? it's the Hamlery Hotel <clears throat> is the name of it now. It changed names since mm-hmm. 2010. Jeez. But at the end of the day, 
you're asked the right question. And, and you know, you've heard from a lot of older people when I was growing up, if it works, don't fix it. Right. And what, what I can tell you is that lifeguards made 9,000 water rescues last year. We made over 300 cliff rescues in the last six years, and we've made river rescues all over the county, uh, in addition to all of our other duties. And there's no indication that there's ever a problem. So why would you force feed a complete change in practice in your first year in office? Gotcha. And speaking of uh, jumping into the toxic waters, uh, you, you guys still don't have uh, the same level of health care as every other rescue worker in the city. Is that correct? That's correct. Lifeguards are the only ones that do not have full presumptive coverage. Boy, that's, so, that's a tragedy. You might have seen some of the toxic stuff. We're not prevented from the illnesses that, you know, some of the illnesses that, that can, can, uh, you can attract them from that. We do have some protections, but not the same. Yeah, I know a lot of it's work, workers' comp and all that. So, anyway, well, a lot of work to do, Ed, and all this stuff. So, is it a final decision yet with the fire department as to usurping your duties uh, yet, or do we know that? Well, it's now at the mayor's level. And so, you know, last year, uh, as you're probably aware, the mayor made some changes, some good changes to the 911 system. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were having 15-minute wait times and, and we had some tragedies then. We, our grievance is now at his level, so this decision will be uh, made up to him uh, hopefully fairly soon. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we got to thank you, Ed Harris, former city council member and sergeant and uh, spokesman for the San Diego Lifeguards Association. Thanks for talking with us, Ed. We're going to come right back with our guest right after this. Hang on. We are back. We are back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And our guest for this segment, we did talk a little about Navy before, and this gentleman is the co-director and co-founder of the San Diego chapter of the Truman National Security Project, amongst many other roles and projects and uh, missions he's on. And his name is Sean Van Diver. Sean, welcome to our show. Thanks so much, Joe. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks. Hard to follow uh, Ed Harris. Yeah. Isn't it, though? <laughs> it really is. It is. That guy's an American hero. You know, he's, he's got the equivalent of the Medal of Honor. For right. lifeguards, mm-hmm. because he braved a torrential storm, went in and saved some lives. Uh, he ran ta- uh, He ran toward the sound of danger, just like he did when he was in the Marine Corps. So he was recognized appropriately for it. And we're he's a national treasure right here in San Diego. Yeah, and he, and he was appointed to the city council. I think there were about 110 candidates to fill up uh, Kevin Faulkner's uh, the remainder of his term, and he's the one they gave it to. So there must be something there. <laughs> He's a great guy, a lot of integrity, and a uh, good guy all around. So, But anyway, Sean, you've got a fascinating background in history. Why don't you tell us, uh, born and raised where and where you went to school, and then, then we'll get into your military history and all that. So go. Sure. So I was born in Springfield, Illinois, and I was raised in Bakersfield, California, um, both kind of amongst the cornfields. Springfield is the, the capital state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of maintained some roots there, so I made it back there a lot, and uh, Developed a love of politics there by when I was like eight years old. I walked down to the state capitol and just introduced myself to uh, now infamous. Uh, he was the secretary of state at the time, but then he became the governor, George Ryan. Huh. Oh, uh, yeah, George <laughs> Ryan. So when I, I have an eight-year-old and I oh, took him. Oh, this is Illinois we're talking. Yeah, yeah, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. They All the Illinois governors wind up uh, in a little uh, small room. But <laughs> they do. They do. So I asked that question. We were. Uh, I took my little boy on a road trip there uh-huh. for over Thanksgiving couple years ago and we were on the tour in the hall of governors and i said well you know what happens if they go to jail <laughs> and they said well it depends on if they go to jail while they're in office or after office okay I'm like oh you guys have a whole procedure for this <laughs> <laughs> well there was walker there was kerner there was Margoyevich. 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 
Yep. So yeah. So uh, so uh, moved to uh, Bakersfield, California when I was four. Uh, grew up there. I joined the Navy out of there at the age of 17. Mm. Um, I, I got my bachelor's and my master's degree while I was in the Navy from National University right here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I left the Navy in 2013, and I went to work for PlayStation, where I ran enterprise risk and security for San Diego and L.A., uh, I got to launch the PlayStation 4 a couple weeks after I got out of the Navy, which was really exciting. That's in San Diego? Uh, no. uh, PlayStation's in San Diego. But we, we went to New York and bought out a gigantic hotel, a very nice hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was over Veterans Day weekend, so I got to invite some of my fellow sailors in uh-huh. to, to experience that. Um, so were you stationed all over or just in one place when you were in the Navy? So while I was in the Navy, I was stationed uh, almost solely in San Diego. I did some time in D.C., um, I did several deployments, uh, both South Pack and West Pack. So I did a bunch of drug busting. And I did a bunch of pirate, piracy ops, yeah. a lot of oil platform defense. Um, I got to see the full, uh, kind of the full spectrum of capability, the full spectrum of warfare that the that the Navy and other services have to offer. Uh, while I was in, I worked on weapon systems and radar. I was a fire controlman, first class. I had a blast. I learned a lot about myself, about life, and about leadership through the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, got out, worked to work for PlayStation. I left there and I went to work for the. I became the chief operating officer of the the Three Wise Men Veterans Foundation. Mm-hmm. Nathan uh, Fletcher, absolutely, with mm-hmm. Nathan Fletcher, and mm-hmm. uh, and then I left there and went to go run veterans and military families for Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. uh, here in California, and that was a wild ride. Uh, it <laughs> obviously did not work out so well. Otherwise, I'd be in. <laughs> well, it worked DC. out in California, but it didn't <laughs> it worked work out really well in California. Well, your vote doesn't count in California. <laughs> well, it does. We just <laughs> not really. Well. It does count. I mean, it's, that's why. That's why we, well, people I'm lose saying he elections. For, my point is, he worked for Hillary. She carried California, so it, it did work out we, in uh, California. We got to leave. We got to lead sixty veterans and military families to Nevada. Myself and Barbie Applequist, who was the co-director of this organization, uh, we led sixty veterans and military families from California to uh, Nevada right before Election Day, and we worked really hard to to bring it home for Hillary Clinton and for Catherine Cortez Masto, who is mm-hmm. now the senator from that yep. replaced Harry Reid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, after the election, I've had, a, I've had my consulting company, Van Diver Consulting, since uh, 2010, mm-hmm. uh, where I do some security consulting, both physical, cyber, uh, as well as some uh, uh, media consulting, some press uh, mm-hmm. and communications and political consulting. So kind well, of my one-stop shop for... Uh, well, what caught my eye was the uh, UT article recently covering your Truman National Security mm-hmm. Project... Um, the salon? I guess round, yeah, the salon, a round table, VIP by invitation only. You had some very important people there. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So the Truman Project is a think tank, an action tank based out of D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the director of the San Diego chapter, and I'm a co-founder. Um, I joined in 2014, and I realized, wow, we don't, why don't we have one of these chapters in San Diego? So uh, it took me about a year. Uh, we launched it February 9th, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the or 2015, from the deck of the USS Midway, we had Todd Gloria, Nathan Fletcher, Scott Peters, Dave Roberts, David Alvarez, whole uh, uh, Port Commissioner Bob Nelson. We had a whole bunch of uh, uh, important community leaders there to help us launch it. And Any, since then, anybody from the county, by the way, Any- uh, we had Dave Roberts there. Okay. Um, so we we have established ourselves as the uh, the leading organization, leading thought. The thought leaders on national security as it relates to San Diego, uh, foreign affairs, and and all of that. So we uh, we believe in democracy, development, diplomacy, and defense as mm-hmm. a whole picture. You need all equitable portions for uh, national security. Mm-hmm. And so we began hosting these salons. So the most recent one that you saw in the UT was right. about cybersecurity and the pivot to Asia. 
mm. are the pivots to Pacific. And we had leaders from big from business, big and small. Former guest of this show, Erwin Jacobs. Yep. yep. We had uh, Dr. Jacobs was there, founder of Qualcomm, and his wife, uh, Joan. Joan. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, academics there from UCSD, USD, and SDSU. We had uh, military leaders there from the Marine Corps and the Navy, uh, including flag officers, both current and retired. We even had the uh, the recently retired Chief of Naval uh, Personnel, not Chief of Naval Personnel, uh, Director Director of Naval Personnel, I think mm-hmm. was the was mm-hmm. his title, um, uh, Vice Admiral Thomas. So it was it was a really good group, and we had uh, we had nonprofits and we had other national security experts there. We had a really robust discussion at the home of Lori Black. Right. Um, about what it, what cybersecurity means not only to San Diego and California, but our country and the world, especially in a time where where cyber's in the news in a big way right now, whether we're talking about Russian interference or whether we're talking about the Marine Corps nude photo scandal. Or, or our microwave. Or yeah. our microwaves that are watching us, the espionage microwaves. <laughs> well, I just w- want to note for everybody in the audience and, and everybody here as well, if you haven't seen Alex Gibney's most recent documentary called Zero Days, it's right on point with this stuff, and we can get into more of that later. But, uh, but Sean, uh, do, we, do we have unique security but, issues in San Diego because of where we are geographically well, situated? Well, sure. Yeah, and get into what you talked about at that a little sure. bit. Sure, so... We talked a lot about how San Diego is a San Diego, regardless of what anybody thinks, is an international mm-hmm. city. It's a national security city. We've got the border. We've got tons of cyber here. ESET's in town. Amazon's in town. Google's in town. Uh, we've got all of these big cyber leaders and incredible talent here that we're trying to keep. Mark Cafferty from the EDC was our was our moderator, and he he pointed out that uh, that there's probably no better city in America to talk about national security in, in its many iterations, whether it's cybersecurity, mm-hmm. borders and immigration, whether it's uh, the military, whether it's technology and and, uh, and myriad other other issues, right? Contr- uh, sea control. We, ha- we have it all here, and, uh, and it's really exciting. And I'm, so I'm very proud to have started the Truman Project chapter. And we've got a big event coming up on May 29th at sunrise at Fort Rosecrans National Cemetery. It's our third annual Truman National Security Project, Truman Center for National Policy, uh, Memorial Day Rose Drop, which is a lot to say. We call it the True SD Rose Rose Ceremony. At Rosecrans Cemetery, huh? At At Sunrise, right? At Sunrise. And this was born out of a... uh, uh, Somebody in in political San Diego uh, had mentioned to me in 2014, or 2015, how, um, how... excited they were to go get boozed up and enjoy the beach on Memorial Day. And I said, well, you know, you work in politics, you live in San Diego, there's a lot of folks that you interact with day-to-day who, who have either committed to committed their lives to the nation or have been willing to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that you reflect on that. So, and so the uh, the goal is to put a rose on every grave site sure. in Rosecrans, and how many are there? Out so there? there's 86,000 graves there, so we need we need people and we well, need plus money. Plus the wall. Plus the, the wall, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we need people and we need money. So if you're interested, please check out the website um, or Google. Just pull up Google and, and Google Truman San Diego Rose Ceremony. There you go. Or go to our website, iwaymoney.com. We'll definitely put, we'll have Courtney put something in the sidebar on that as well. So, but um, anyway, we're coming up on our break. We're going to come right back with Sean Van Diver of the Truman National Security Project right after this. Hang on. All right, we are back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Yeah, but you always go first, Joe, because alphabetically, ABC comes first. You're absolutely right, and our very first sponsor and premier among them is the ABC Family Law 
and uh, headed up by Sharon um, uh, Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, Christensen and all their attorneys and staff. Great. Uh, been working in the field of family law for many, many years. Mostly a women firm, which is very important to have compassionate care in that field. So, And Richard has more. I'm sorry. Have more. Also, a big thank you to everybody who has served our nation or currently serves our nation, even though they're not sponsors. We'll put them at the top of the list. Well, right after ABC. Next comes UBS. For those of you who are alphabetically inclined, big thank you to UBS. Michael Caranta could not do the show without them. They, of course, have a big private box out at Indian Wells where you can enjoy tennis. It's really cool and fun. Hey, it's tax season. Our favorite CPAs on the planet. We got two groups of them, more traditional up in San Marcos. Polito Epic CPAs, also more specialized. Jason Kruger with Signature Analytics, a great CFO service firm. Also, cost segregation initiatives. Our good friend and fellow Aztec basketball sufferer, boy, what a bad season that was, Joel Grushkin, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, with all this money, our sponsors help you make. You can stash it at Mechanics Bank, a great niche market bank here in San Diego. Sean Puckett heads up the San Diego region, and Mechanics Bank serves wealthy families and families that have real estate operations and enterprises. Employee benefits, big topic right now with the possible repeal of what's known as Obamacare. We highly recommend Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, and Neil Staley with all of your employee benefit needs. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group. Happy birthday to Tony Lombardi. I won't tell everybody how young he is, but the LG Experience helps make heroes out of wealth advisors by helping those wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to their very best clients. It's a great collaborative experience between wealth advisors. And CPAs all designed to benefit the end user, the client. Also, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, is the CEO of Hart. Excuse me, Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. And Paul Hines also heads up the Senior Safe and Sound initiative, dot here, uh, dot org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Again, that's SeniorSafeAndSound.org. Also, Michelle St. Clair with Elite Lifestyle Management, helping those of us who have no time get things done from small things to really big and complicated things. And, of course, Brenda Geiger with Geiger Law Office. Brenda specializes in asset protection and estate planning, has a big Continuing education event coming up on May 12th at Loma Santa Fe Country Club. Check out our website for that. And another sponsor, Servant Leadership Institute, that just finished their national conference here in San Diego last week on the 13th and 14th. We talked about them at the top of the show. Check out ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. And, Joe, I am burning tons of calories listing all these great sponsors, <laughs> and I'm getting hungry. What can we do for me there? Well, there is the Bitlestats Coffee Houses, which, which has three locations. They're in Normal Heights, University Heights, and a new one in Hillcrest, all open 24-7, 365. Everything cooked fresh on site and always crowded. You can never get a seat in these places. So uh, there you go. And the Very Good Food Foundation, headed up by Michelle Lirac, and uh, they have gr great programs throughout the year, educational programs and, and other. And four shows and, with us. And four shows with us and great foodie events. And uh, we usually broadcast from their, their uh, annual Very uh, Good Night Dinner in June, and I'm looking forward to that again. And I know many of these sponsors have been working with you with, uh, with great success for many years, right, Richard? Yeah, speaking of cybersecurity, some of them have been working with me since we only had paper. It's <laughs> a long time, right, Sean? Absolutely. I don't absolutely. remember those days. So yeah, you're you too go. young. So if you <laughs> like paper, what's yeah, that? Yeah, so if you go to our website, iwaymoney.com, there's a sponsor tab there, drop-down menu. You can learn about any or all of the sponsors and uh, get in touch. And you can even be one. We have a new media kit up there, which is really cool. Come on board. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks. We to, get a lot of business for us. Yes, yes. Uh, and, Plus, and, we have a lot of fun. Yes, and, and thanks to Courtney for that great uh, press kit that she put together, the media kit. It's, there's actually a tab on the web, website. I, I uh, commend that to you folks. You can see all the great shows we've done and the great work we've done. And speaking of more great work, we're back with Sean Van Diver with the True, Truman National Security Project. 
And, you know, WikiLeaks recently had this huge document dump, and um, they alleged in that press release that we have 5,000 registered users here in the U.S., I guess, uh, producing uh, a thousand, more than 1,000 hacking systems, Trojans, viruses, weaponized malware. I mean, this has become the new type of warfare, hasn't it, Sean? It has indeed. Um, but I would, I would say the problem isn't that we have this stuff. The problem is that, it, it, that everybody knows we have this stuff now, right? It, assuming that it's all true. I mean, I don't know if, if listeners or if WikiLeaks knows what CIA's job is, but their job is to spy on people right. to, mm-hmm. in the interest of our nation. And so I think and we've <laughs> I, been it's do- comical and to me that people are, are shocked. That, that are yeah. shocked that I we mean, have these, these been, tools and capabilities. This has been going on since, uh, since Terry Truman, right? Well, it's their job. <laughs> That's the whole point is right. their job to, to gather information and and. And of course, other nations, nation. other nations spy on us, right? Absolutely, right, Donald. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody did he get the memo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the the point being, look at this movie. I saw Zero Days. Tell me what Zero Days means, the definition that, as you know, and then we'll talk about what went on in that film. Tell me what you think it is. So a, a zero day attack is something that's never been seen in the wild, something that's never been. Um, Nobody's ever seen and, and kind of deconstructed to 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 patch, right? So, mm-hmm. um, a good classic example of a zero day attack is Stuxnet. Now, the interesting thing about Stuxnet, for those who haven't heard about it, is it's the first time we saw a cyber, a a piece of malware or a virus, do physical damage to equipment. Mm. And the way that it accomplished that is it was it was this uh, this piece of code that made its way through a bunch of different computers and it targeted one piece of firmware on one very specific type of centrifuge. And we use centrifuges for enriching uranium or yeah. other nuclear mm-hmm. materials. So yeah, so let me set it up a little bit. Apparently, our intelligence and Israeli intelligence, we wanted to target the Iranian centrifuges that were enriching uranium, and there were about a thousand of these devices. Many, and, and this is a huge facility. And um, apparently, this 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 malware. It, it can get into your system. You don't even know it's there. And, and these people aren't stupid either. You know, in in Iran, running computers. I mean, they're, obviously, they're the top engineers in the country, sure. right? They don't even know it's in there, and this thing can turn on the computers and make these things pretty much blow themselves up. Well, right? well, so it wasn't it wasn't turning on the computers. What it is is it it, uh, it uh, affected ICS and SCADA, which is industrial control systems slash uh, supervisory control and data acquisition. Mm-hmm. So it's the stuff that monitors the equipment, and mm-hmm. so we have this stuff in our in our power grid and our in our water systems and all of that. Um, what it did is it is it tricked the systems and said, "Hey, there's no problem," even right. as it spun up past its normal right. RPMs and was so, breaking yeah. these. So, at their operating board, everything looks normal when, in fact, these centrifuges were blowing, you know, spinning out of control and destroying Absolutely. themselves. And they're trying to hit the. They were hitting the off button what, 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 again. What was the specific physical damage? They were, uh, it was breaking the centrifuges by spinning too fast. Oh, spinning too fast. Yeah. Okay. Got and it. so and so Iran is such a an insular society. They weren't telling anybody that, about the problems they were yeah. having, so nobody found it for a while. And then when they finally did, so yeah. did this force them to come to the table to to get to the treaty with uh, Secretary Kerry? Or um, I'm wondering how that played no, into the. No, no. I mean that's one of the one of the things I'm sure. But hard diplomacy uh, is what is what forced Secretary Kerry to the table, right? And this is a, what, one of the things the Truman Project is all about. Mm-hmm. And in fact. Our members were integral to each piece of the Iran deal. We were integral to the media portion of it, to the actual negotiations, 
So all the different pieces, and it's one of the one of the accomplishments from the last administration that we're most proud of having handed. Mm -hmm. um, well, we have nuclear weapons treaties, and now they think with all this all this malware out there that we probably need treaties regarding cyber warfare, cybersecurity uh, amongst nations. Because I mean, this sure. stuff can you can destroy you can destroy our electrical grid. You know, we could throw we could mm -hmm. really create some havoc, right? Uh, well, what's interesting is is that, yeah, that's one of the big conversations happening in in uh, these cybersecurity policy circles is. How do we establish international and national norms for for how to one either respond or wage cyber war, respond to or wage cyber war? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, treaties may be an option. Uh, certainly, legislation, uh, and there's there's a lot of really smart folks thinking about this. Now, we'll see what happens in the in the era of Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think it'll be telling. It'll be yeah. telling to see what happens. But but isn't terrorism going to essentially become cyber based? Well, that's what we're talking about. I know, here. But, but I mean, it, I mean, in other words, old fashioned terrorism might just disappear. Well, it's just I don't think old fashioned terrorism's ever. You don't think disappear. it will? No, no. I mean, there's this you know, form of destroying it. a few computers or destroying you know taking out infrastructure isn't like a big bang. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have the same psychological or visual effect. Yeah, okay. you'd rather fly a plane into a building and get the the press that yeah. way. So, but because mm. um, really, this zero days in this film by Gibney. I mean, this happened a few years ago. And we're just finding out about it now, yeah. right? I mean, it just happened. I mean, Stuxnet's been out there for a while. We've, yeah. we've people in the industry have known about it for a while, and right. every time we talk to new people about it, it's kind of shocking, but it's also you know it's good for people to know about. It's, this is this is stuff. This stuff is uh, very important. Yeah. And, and, well, we're coming up on our break, but um, you know what? When we come back, maybe you can give people a few hints on how they can best protect their businesses or homes a little bit, and we'll get in more of this uh, cyber material. And I know you want to talk about uh, some other scandalous stuff, too, as I well. I do. So we'll come I love back. scandal. Yeah, we'll come back with Sean Van Diver right after this. Hang on. <laughs> My name is Bond, yeah, James that, Bond. That sounds very... Very espionage, uh, Justin, for lack of a better term. But anyway, we're back with Sean Van Diver with the Truman National Security Project. Did I say that correct? That's right, the Truman National Security Project, Excellent. San Diego chapter. There you go. Um, so, what can people to do do to protect their homes and business against this uh, this malware or uh, uh, hacking or whatever you want to call it? So, the best things people can do are uh, one: don't share your passwords with anybody. Don't write them down. Mm -hmm. uh, make complex passwords that are uh, alphanumeric mm -hmm. and change them frequently. Uh, you don't necessarily need you to change need to? them frequently, but but I mean that's a good practice. But mm -hmm. the best practice is making them hard to guess and yeah. making them. Um, you know, whenever they ask me like, "Do you want this uh, computer to remember it?" I always say no. I always say no. Too. I always yeah, say, you no. say no. And um, just and then, say no, like Nancy Reagan said. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Before my time, also. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but the other thing you can do is just you need to recognize that you're not going to be able to prevent every attack. If you're a business with uh, specific intellectual property that's that's competitive or something that an, maybe another foreign nation wants, you can expect to be attacked. What you can do is is bake in some resilience, right? It's having the good passwords, making sure there's tight controls on admin, mm -hmm. making sure there's uh, make sure that you have the right consultants to Try come in and take a good look at your equipment. Well, that's what happened with the with the Stuxnet thing. They used outside vendors. Someone got in with a flash drive. All yep. you got to do is get into one computer, boom, and you can exactly. uh, you can uh, attack the exactly. whole system. So, so, Joe, I've been flying a lot. Do you know how many people leave their computers behind at airports? 
Oh yeah, I remember. Unbelievable. Some, I think Warren Buffett or some some heavy duty dude left one at a con, you know, left their laptop somewhere. So I mean, you really they should really come up with a self destruct. If you lose your computer, there should well, be they, way you know, there's lots of systems like Find My iPhone or Find My Mac mm-hmm. uh, that Apple offers, and there are similar uh, services on PC. I know, but if so. you can't find it, or you may immediately want it, no, you, know, you can spe- wipe it with those. Speaking of James yeah. Bond, or actually, who did that? Get Smart, right? Maxwell Smart. That's yeah, another song we can. <laughs> Didn't they have a thing, this will self-destruct? Yep. No, it was Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get smart was the cone of silence. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> never works. Sort of like our phone system around here. Chief, that, <laughs> Sorry, that Justin. Never, never works. Well, we, it takes a few times, you know. But, uh, you know, you got to land that plane. You only get one shot on the, you know, you're landing it on the, uh, the runway there. But anyway. The shoe phone. <laughs> there you go. Anyways, I, what we digress, Sean. So, um, and what you, you were saying about uh, other security systems. So just, I, I would say, have somebody who knows about cybersecurity come in and look at your, look at your systems, look at your policies and your uh, networks, mm. and uh, and have them tell you where to go from there. Uh, but people are careless. Investment. People are just careless. As they a are. Rule. Yeah, the biggest careless. the biggest threat is is your in, is your internal employees, right. your your yeah. right. the you folks get, that work. You there. get somebody, especially now. Who was telling me this? Oh, I know uh, one of our former guests. Um, there was a guy who was head of IT of a very big, big firm, and um, gosh, I mean, they—it was a matter of his getting severed, and he actually went to jail. He was—he he had all the passwords. He was not going to divulge them, and because uh, he was—they're kicking him out of the company or whatever. And uh, he's been sitting in jail for quite a while. Uh, I'll try to get more details on that. But nice. but your IT people can really, uh, you know, be a blessing or a curse depending upon the situation. Well, they control the universe, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Right, Sean? That's my theory. Absolutely. Absolutely. So nope. be nice to your IT people. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But but that's that's also a good point, right, is that no one person should have control of everything. Right. Yeah. So two, two-factor authentication. Internal controls. Good. Internal controls are important. And we sure. still don't have the formula for Coca-Cola. What is going on with that? <laughs> Somebody does. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, you wanted to make some other points about sure. um, another yeah. recent scandal. Another yes. recent scandal. Um, you know, I, I I did a hit on NBC yesterday about um, this is the Marines we're talking right about the Marines nude photo sharing scandal yeah, where yeah. where a group called Marines United uh-huh. had thirty thousand people in it and they were sharing nude photos of service men of of service women. And former wives and girlfriends, and many of the photos were gained surreptitiously, right? They didn't know these photos were being taken. Mm. Um, a lot of the argument that I've heard is that these women should have known better, which sounds an awful lot like she was wearing a short skirt to me, and I think that's absolutely absurd. So if, if listeners are hearing about this story, remember that uh, that the people that are in the wrong here are the folks that are sharing these photos out, not people who took photos and sh- shared them either willingly or unwillingly. Well, it's, um, and it's, the, the it's second a, thing that I, that I wanted to... Oh, yeah, it's another form of hacking, basically. Yeah. You know. and, right. and, and it's illegal, right? The women mm. didn't do anything criminal. The folks sharing the photos did. Mm. Now, the good news is in, in the, the, the hearing on, at the Senate, Senate Armed Services Committee, we found out that only about 500 people had access to the photos, which is a wholly different number than, uh, than 30,000. Mm. Um, but on my NBC hit yesterday, one of the things that I called for was was I said, you know, Marines are so aggressive. They're aggressive about things like haircuts and uniforms. Mm-hmm. So what I asked, what I, what I said I hoped I'd see in the, uh, in the hearing was General Neller coming out at least as aggressive about, as, as, at least as aggressive about this violation, this crim- these crimes and violations of service member rights as he was about haircuts and uniforms. And he really delivered on that. He came out and he, was, he made it very clear that that Marines are Marines are Marines, that women are in combat, and he gave several examples of women that had served mm-hmm. in combat and died in combat. And uh, and I feel pretty good that that he and the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps are going to make real 
uh, lasting change. And Senator Gillibrand made a good point. She said, hey, General, why, you know, I get that you, you're taking it seriously now. It sounds like you're taking it seriously now. But, you know, kind of everybody knew this stuff was going on. Maybe not the database, uh, but, but that pictures are being shared. Uh, why is it, you know, why is it more important now? And, and he, he said, you know, I don't, I don't have any good reason for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we are wrong. And we are jacked up, and it's on me to fix it, and I'm going to fix it. Well, it's kind of like the Abu Ghraib. You know, it was going on, and yep. then finally it's, it gets revealed someone, someone well, this somewhere. There's going to be some court-martials on yeah. this. There should be court-martials. Should People be. should lose yeah. their benefits. And, exactly. and if you've been in for 20 years or longer, sorry, sucker. Like, you yeah. don't deserve to retire if you've been participating. Yeah. In I agree totally. So, well, it's like the tail hook thing. I mean, these things come around. Yeah. There's still a lot of sexism in the military, I would assume. And, uh, well, they went beyond sexism. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, well, let's talk about the sexual assaults because, I mean, that's that's been a big so issue. There but are they, a lot of... The, Sexual assaults have been a big issue, and that came up today. And, and General Neller pointed out that the Marine Corps, although they had the highest occurrences, they've leveled out now. They're not mm-hmm. going up anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're taking hard action to make sure that it starts going down. And that's one of Senator Gillibrand's big big issues. And she's, been, she's done a lot of good work on that, along with uh, Senator McCaskill. Um, but I think, I think that so long as we remember that, that putting this on the women whose photos have been shared mm-hmm. is dead wrong, and it's not in keeping with our core values, and that the folks that are sharing it are certainly not in keeping with core values, and that that uh, they need to stop and, and be gone. You know, the Marines United folks have doubled down. They've said like, "We don't care. Come after me." And one guy posted his discharge paperwork, and Senator Graham's going to share his name today Good. and make him famous, which I thought was great. Well, the real the real challenge the is, is that guy think you know, males have to you know view women in two ways. One can be a a, a cohort or an authority figure, or one can be your spouse and. and uh, yeah, but women have to view men that same way too. Yeah, exactly. It's got it's got to work both ways. And I, you know, with the gender differences, uh, I don't know how to reconcile all that or you know make it all equal. I'm well, sure Russia and Australia have figured it out, so I think we can figure it out. Really? How does yep. it work over there? They have it, women's... it works just like you put two people, just like any any employment situation. Yeah, and and it works. And and I think that we do more by trying to segregate folks. We have a segregated boot camp, which does so much bad for the Marine Corps. That uh, and uh, and a couple of the senators pointed that out today, so they're they're working on that. All right. So at the Pentagon, what is the highest uh, ranking w- woman officer we have in, in the Pentagon right now, or, or an officer? I mean, is there a deputy, uh, you know, chief of so staff? So we did have the uh, Secretary of the Air Force was a woman, but mm-hmm. she's now gone. Huh. Um, we have we Didn't. have several generals. So uh, there, there yeah. are women generals, huh? There oh are. yeah, yeah. Admiral Michelle Howard is a yep, four-star. I know there's admirals. Four-star general. I didn't know there were generals. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of generals. Well, they need to get more publicity. I didn't know that. So, Did you know that, Justin? I didn't know that. No. <laughs> um, one of the, uh, real quick, uh, one of the things, uh, the other things that Truman worked on is a program called No Exceptions. Mm-hmm. We fought really hard over about 14 to 16 months to make sure that the Pentagon, that the, the Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, uh, laid out that Opened all jo- all combat jobs to women, and it worked. Uh, so that's another one of our proudest accomplishments. Well, let's hope we don't uh, do any backpedaling now. I know we have a a, a president now who's made some um, you know suggestions that he might want to backpedal. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. hope not. Well, I mean, he's made some negative comments about women, but uh, let's hope uh, you know s- smarter heads prevail. We've got about a minute left, Sean. Why don't you sure. tell us about May 29th one more so, time? May 29th, come on out. Um, it's Memorial Day sunrise rose ceremony. We did it because if you are a community leader or if you're an elected official in San Diego, you represent somebody in the military or somebody who's been willing to give their life or has given their life. Can there you give go. money online? Is there a you website? You can give money online. It'll be up on the on the show's website. If you Google Truman uh, Truman Secure, National Security Project Memorial Day Rose Drop or if you look me up at Sean J. Vandiver on Twitter, 
A we'll billion. Find, we'll find you. It'll be on our website. It'll be on too, our website, so. too. Anyway, Sean Van Diver, thanks for being our guest. Thanks to Ed Harris for, for phoning in. Thanks to Richard. Good seeing you this week. And Sean, uh, um, Justin Hart on our board, making us uh, sound terrific. Dave Sniff, who's at the basketball tournament. Yes, thanks to Dave Sniff. You're supposed to bring us. Our programming director and to uh, Craig Blanke, our account executive. All these podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com, and we'll see you next week. Good night.